First Kings chapter 19, and let's take a look here in verse 9. It says, And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken the covenant, thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt all alone in your life? Maybe you didn't feel like uh, the church was against you or something like that, but I'm sure we've all had times we felt alone. It's a dangerous place. I need to be very circumspect how I, how I say this. Sometimes people feel alone and they get discouraged. Really conscientious people. Um, they want to follow God, but maybe they see something for some way differently than you and I might see it. Isn't that interesting how we can see the same thing, but everyone kind of see it differently? We're all basing it on our own experiences. We've all grown up different ways, lived in different places. And um, sometimes people can be discouraged, and maybe they separate themselves from the church, or from brethren, or from family members. And it's dangerous when you're alone because you, get, you can get strange ideas, fleeing into the wilderness, into a cave, or, or who knows what. A lot of times in these days, um, Satan tricks people. They get false theologies, whether it's prophecies, like the, you know, I don't really want to mention all the false things. You know, there's a lot of things going around, whether it's the 2520, have you heard of that? Or the um, feast day, feast days, you've got to keep the feast days. There's so many different ones. You need to remember, and we need to remember when we're run into people that may have some of these things, that we need to be kind, we need to be calm, we need to be not argumentative. I've never had a conversation with somebody that was kind of discouraged and off track or deceived or whatever it was and was able to just win them back by logic. You know, it's never happened. Maybe it has for somebody else, but not for me. What it takes is Christ living in us. Our example, our kindness, and patience, you know, things just like farmers, I don't need to teach you about patience. I plant seeds and, you know, I've been doing this for a, year, a few years and I still go look the next day and see if they come up, you know. <laughs> I keep wondering, when are they going to come up? I know they're supposed to stay in there for a while, but farming teaches, teaches patience, doesn't it? And that is one of the requirements, that, you know, it says, the Bible says at the end days, the saints, the patience of the saints, it's going to be a qualification. It's another reason for being a farmer. But Elijah, anyway, I just want to make that caveat. You know, if people have those things, be sensitive and uh, try and win them back through the love of Christ. Elijah here, he was having this situation. He was discouraged. He fled into the wilderness, into a cave, and he said, I'm the only one left. Sometimes you see the truths really strongly about agriculture or some other things, and there's resistance to what you think is just the clearest teaching in the Bible of the Spirit of Prophecy, and you think, I'm the only one. Have you ever had that thought? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. But uh, 
Just beware, people come from different backgrounds, and we need to take time and need to let the Holy Spirit do its work. And uh, we also need to make sure that our zeal is not such that our good works and our, you know, I do this a lot. I sometimes get so excited I say things that I, I wish I didn't say later. Have you ever done that? And I didn't mean it in a harmful way. It just my perspective, you know, I'm thinking one way and somebody else is coming from a totally different situation. They just may have dealt with something and I just triggered that. And um, we need to be swift to hear, slow to speak. It's the lesson I'm learning slowly. But Elijah, getting back to our story, he was there. The voice of God spoke to him and said, What doest thou here? And he said, gave him some instructions in verse 11, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces. The rocks uh, break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice, a still small voice. We need to know and understand the will of God, especially in these last days. We need to know His voice. We're told that in the last days when the crisis is taking place, that the communication between heaven and earth is going to be very close. Angels are going to be bringing messages back and forth. Ought we not to communicate to God now? We do. We need... I mean, we're making important decisions today. <clears throat> I recently was, went to the ASI meetings in Spokane. It was nice. It was close to my house, only three hours away. And uh, usually we got to fly all the way to Florida or some other place. And, uh, but even there, I didn't want to drive back and forth. So we stayed at um, a friend's house. Beth Morrill and her husband live outside of Spokane in the country, in the mountains there. And she's a midwife. And this is her with Lisa and baby Noah, September 8th. But we stayed at her house. And by the way, just an aside, some of you may not be, some of you ladies, may not be called to be a farmer. Maybe you're a farmer's wife. But there's something else that you could do that you can come close to the people. Being a midwife. Being a midwife is a powerful way to come close to the people and um, be able to lead them to the truth. There may be somebody here today, somebody listening on the internet, God might be speaking to you saying, this is the way to go. Okay, back to the farmers. We stayed at Beth's house and she's a Christian lady, Seventh-day Adventist, and she had all these Bible verses all over her house on the walls. And I really appreciated that. I, I really like being at this campground that we're at. Don't you, with all the Bible verses on the, uh, in the stones and walkways? I've really been blessed being here. And this one I saw in the morning as I woke up. It said, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. And when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, you're supposed to that sounds like we don't just have to wait for emergencies to ask God. You know, I turn to the right or turn to the left, you know, often. But 
I said, Lord, I don't know how to, some, I feel like I don't, I haven't heard from you in a while. I don't know how to hear your voice saying, you know, what do you mean when you say, turn this way and turn that way and you'll have a voice behind us, a, wor- a word behind us? And uh, went back to the, uh, that was my prayer. I don't know if I really prayed for him to do anything. I just said, Lord, you know, you said this. You said you would do this and guide me. And I'd just like you to guide me today and help me understand this. And I went back and had to wait for my wife. She was going to do the prayer at ASI. And she was coming in with the children. I was waiting outside because she was kind of coming in late. And I was just going to jump in the car and take the children while she ran up to do the prayer. And uh, while I was there, a man came walking by, and he was from India, and I started talking to him, and, and he told me that he, was, he had become a Seventh-day Adventist as a, as a young boy. And uh, Joe Cruz had held some meetings in India, and I was really, that really got me excited because I never met Joe Cruz, but working on Amazing Facts websites like I did, I put a lot of his sermons up on the upon the uh, Amazing Facts website and got to listen to them. It was really nice to be paid to uh, listen to sermons and read sermons and write things like that. What a, the Lord is good, isn't He? And anyway, the, the man told me this story. He said, I was a little boy and I was going to school. And uh, it was a Christian school. And then Joe came to town to do these uh, evangelistic meetings and the teacher said, why don't you go to these meetings? Well, okay, I'll go to the meetings. And he went to the meetings, and they started going on, but he didn't have any good clothes to wear. And he didn't even have shoes on. And he just felt embarrassed to go into the meetings because he felt like he just wasn't dressed right to to go to the meetings. And so he sat outside, and um, he was looking in. And then he said, "I I heard something behind me. Say, why don't you go in when the lights turn out? He said, well, I think that's a good idea. And then he said, surprisingly, the lights turned out. And I walked in and got a seat. And he said, as a result of those meetings, I was baptized and became a Seventh-day Adventist. And uh, he proceeded to tell me that very same story seven times. He's, he was a little bit older and, you know, how sometimes they kind of lose track of the what they're saying, but I think the Lord wanted me to hear it a few times. <laughs> Sometimes I don't always hear things right the first time. My wife will tell you that. But um, I was just, the rest of the day I was so excited. There it was, only a few hours after I had read that verse on the wall, and the Lord gave me an example of one of the ways that He speaks to us. That's not the primary way that He speaks to us, but have you ever had those experiences where you pray about something and then The Lord does that? We need to have those experiences more and more. And I'm convinced that farming is a way to have those experiences because I just find myself in a lot of crises and sometimes that's what it it takes to get me from trying to do everything myself and think that I'm just, you know, you know what I'm saying. This is a picture of Beth and my daughter Annalisa. Annalisa's not, she's very shy. She's not really friendly to, and you know, it's a good thing. I think God puts that in children as protection. But uh, they have a special relationship because when Annalisa was born, all our children were born at home, 
it, was kind of, it got to be a critical situation. Her heart rate really went down really low. And it was at that, that time I, I was thankful I had a, we had a good Christian midwife. Anyway, the story I was going to tell about this is that on our way to GC, Beth called us and said, you'll never believe what happened. Um, there was a lady who, uh, I guess a while ago, you were in the office and she came in after you. And then apparently she saw you at some fabric store afterwards. My wife was in Spokane delivering strawberries or blueberries. And then she had an appointment with, the, with uh, Beth uh, for the baby uh, Noah that we have. And then this lady saw her. And then, you know, time went by. And if you have a midwife, you have to go see him every couple weeks or something like that. And this lady came back again. And she talked to Beth and she said, at the end of the the interview or whatever, Beth said, do you have any questions for me or about your pregnancy or anything? And she said, no, but I do have one question. She said, do you know who that lady was who was here last two weeks ago, uh, right at the end of my appointment, she came in or, or whatever? She says, yeah, I know who, who she is. She said, I, I want to know, know what church she goes to. I want to join her church. And Beth said, well, she said, do you know what she believes? She said, yeah, I know what she believes. I, I go to the same church she does. And, uh, you know, I don't know what it was. The, the Holy Spirit, by God's grace, were maybe helping the children behave that day. <laughs> and they behave, well, much better in public than they do at home. But, well, even at home. They're doing better and better by God's grace. You know, we try to share with them the times we're living in. And that right now we have an advocate with the Father, amen? But God expects us to get victory, to be ready for His coming. Do you believe that we can do that? Do you know there's a verse? You know, one of the times, go with me, keep your... Well, I don't need any more First Kings. Go with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 6. This is just an aside, and I'm sorry for doing this, but I have, find these incredible verses that are so exciting, I just got to tell somebody about them. Does anybody know what verse I'm talking about? Luke 1, verse 6, what it's about? Boy, it's an answer to many questions or objections. Mark this one down. Speaking of John the Baptist... Heard a wonderful message, the very first devotional about John the Baptist and Enoch. I was really blessed by that. Here's the parents of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1 verse 6, it says, speaking of Elizabeth and Zacharias, and they were both, what, righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Can it be done? It can be done by God's grace. Now we know that Zechariah, while he was doing that, he faltered, you know, he couldn't talk for a, a whole year after he uh, made that mistake. But, praise God, we have an advocate with the Father, right? But again, we know that there's coming a time when Jesus says in Revelation 22 that, you know, he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. 
And that time is not very far away. In trying to determine God's will for our life, or our farms, our marriages, places where we live, we need to keep things like this in mind. We have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and His teaching in our past history. You've probably heard that one before, Life Sketches, page 196. You know, it's really neat to know that James White, one of the founding fathers of the church, I guess you'd say, he, was he a hard worker in the church? Too hard, exactly. I mean, from publishing ministry to preaching to you name it, he did it. Powerful testimonies of how people said, if it wasn't for James White, my family and I, we wouldn't even have a house or, or anything to live in. He helped so many people. But did you realize, you probably do in this crowd, that James White was a farmer? Besides doing everything he did, he was also a farmer. And I think sometimes I'm trying to do a lot of different things. Maybe I shouldn't do this farming too. And then I read about what he did. I think, I haven't done anything. <laughs> what a, we're weak, you know. I'm up here, I'm relying on PowerPoint. My wife's sending me these pictures and things. You know, I really need to thank the Lord for my wife. If it wasn't for her, this, you wouldn't see any of this. Well, no, that she gives me ideas, you know. Men, be careful. Women, be careful because who you choose as a life partner will make a big impact on your life. One of the most important decisions of your life. James White was a farmer. This is a, a letter that Ellen had wrote. He said, she said, Father has excellent health. He has worked hard on the place. Here, he put in more than one acre of strawberries. I've got a quarter acre. Some raspberries, more than an acre of corn, 50 hard maples, many peach trees, pear trees, and two long rows of pie plant. And by the way, he was, he was up in years at that time. Letter 4A, 181, page 4. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You know, we may not know all the ways that the Lord is leading us, but all we need to worry about is one step at a time. When God told Moses to go forward through that sea, he couldn't see how the sea was going to part or anything like that, how he's going to get to the other side, but he took a step. We have to take steps. That's Psalms 37, 23. O Lord, I know that the, way, <clears throat> that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Think about that. You can either, I mean, you need to think about these things. They're comforting. Sometimes you can look at them the wrong way. It's like I look at um, tithes and offerings. Some people get discouraged and they leave the church or they say the church isn't doing something right and they say they're going to take their tithes and they're going to give it to whoever or send it off here or do whatever and they're going to manage it or micromanage it. Is that what we're supposed to do? No, not, clearly not from the Bible or the spirit of prophecy. The way I look at it is, you know, that's those tithes and offerings, I'm not responsible for making sure they do the work. God is. I'd rather have him manage that and make sure it gets the best value or however he wants to use it and uh, 
I get to look during the millennium and see what he did with that money. I have enough responsibility in things that if I make a mistake on, we got trouble. I don't need any more. I'm thankful that I can turn that over and trust in God to guide the work. And if there's, if there's some problem in the work somewhere, God will take care of it. We have specific counsel that if there's a change needed at the head of the work, God will take care of it. We don't need to quit the church and start up a new church or, or whatever. Amen? I'm sorry I'm getting sidetracked on all these different things, but I may never see you again. I've got one more day. <laughs> I had a good friend. She told me once, John, you need to tithe your information. You don't need to tell them everything you know. <laughs> oh, look, oh, Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. You know, we need to keep these words in mind for ourselves, too, as we're dealing with our brethren. They may not see the light on agriculture as strongly as you see it. We need to have mercy, and we need to be patient. But we need to be prisoners of hope, too. Abraham Lincoln, the greatest fine art of the future will be the making of a comfortable living from a small piece of land. Isn't that wonderful? I found that in the book, Five Acres in Independence. Real missionary work. Christian farmers can do what kind of work? Real missionary work. In helping the poor to find homes on the land. And in teaching them how to till the soil and make it productive. Teach them how to use the implements of agriculture, how to cultivate various crops, how to plant and care for orchards. Minister of Healing, page 193. Do you know what's been going on at this seminar, at this convention? Real missionary work. I believe God and His angels are intensely interested in what's taking place at these meetings. And it's just so exciting to be here and be a part of it. Thank you for inviting me to come. It's been a bigger blessing for me. You just I have no idea. Missionary families are needed to settle in the waste places. When I was told that the topic for this year, I didn't know what it was, was restoring the waste places. It's like, wow, I've just been reading this chapter in Ministry of Healing over and over again about the waste places. You're talking to me about what's on my heart. You want to come speak about it? Sure. <laughs> Nobody else wants to hear. <clears throat> Missionary families are needed to settle in the waste places. Let farmers, financiers, builders, and those who are skilled in various arts and crafts go to neglected fields to improve the land, to establish industries, to prepare humble homes for themselves, and to help their neighbors. Minister of Healing, page 194. The basis of all these talks that... Um, been sharing this past couple days and tomorrow are all from Ministry of Healing chapter 12. But don't go read it because I don't want you to find out what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. <laughs> you can read it afterwards. <clears throat> the rough places of nature, the wild places, God has made attractive by placing beautiful things among the most unsightly. This is the work we are called to do. Even the desert places of the earth where the appearance, the outlook appears to be forbidding, may become as the garden of God. 
Minister of Healing, page 194. Is that something? Do you realize in a short amount of time, we don't know exactly how short, but I think it's pretty short, there's going to be no more great controversy. There's no, going to be no more battles. There's going to be no more scarcity. There's going to be no more weeds to pull. No more gophers to get rid of. It's starting to sound good. But you realize, well, it's supposed to sound good. You realize, of course, that now is the time. If we're going to do anything for the Lord, we've got to do it now. In the new earth, yeah, we're going to be kind and we can help each other. But if everybody's already got an orchard and they already ha- they're planting their own stuff, it says we're going to eat the fruit of them. And if we're going to do something that's a challenge, that's going to need extraordinary help in extraordinary circumstances and crises, it's now. We need to be doing things now. Whatever we're going to do for the Lord now, we need to do it now. I was listening to this one man who's, have you heard of the Drudge Report? It's kind of a news aggregator. He was saying, if you're going to do anything on the internet, this was just a few weeks ago, you need to do it now. Because likely things are going to be locked up maybe in two years. He's wondering that if his, he's worried about his website being shut down. That's a whole other sermon we could talk about, that kind of stuff. But the point is, we need to do what we're going to do. We need to do it now. And we, need, we can work with God. You know, taking someplace that the outlook appears forbidding like the desert and have it become as the garden of God, who can do that but God? But if we do that now and we rise to these challenges, we can have the experience of seeing God do that. And then during the millennium, people are going to want to come up to us and Noah's going to want to come up to you and say, how did you ever, when I was on the earth, it wasn't this bad that you're facing and you went into that rock pile and God helped you and gave you wisdom how to turn it into the garden of God? You ever think that Noah might want to come and talk to you? We always want to go talk to him, don't we? <clears throat> God calls for Christian families to go into communities that are in darkness and error and work wisely and perseveringly for the master. To answer this call requires self-sacrifice. While many are waiting to have every obstacle removed, souls are dying without hope and without God in the world. Many, very many, for the sake of worldly advantage, for the sake of acquiring scientific knowledge, will venture into pestilential regions and endure hardship and privation. Where are those who are willing to do this for the sake of telling others of the Savior? Where are the men and women who will move into regions that are in need of the gospel, that they may point to those in darkness to the Redeemer. Christian Service, page 182. There's people in here that have had a lot of experience in farming. There's people that have been raised on a farm and they can they could do it all. There's almost like no challenge anymore for them. Maybe they think there is, but... I have a friend, he was... Uh, Working at Amazing Facts, his name is Eric, he's now director of IT. But for a while he was there, and he, you know, he'd just walk into the room and the networks would fix themselves. I mean, it literally happened. You, you'd have a problem on your computer, and you say, Eric, I can't, this isn't working. And he'd walk over, and he hardly even touched the keys, and the problem's gone. And he told me, he, he felt like the Lord was, they asked him to be uh, the IT director, and he didn't really want to do it because he was comfortable. 
Everything was going fine. He, he knew whatever the problem was, he could solve it with God's help. And God was doing miracles before him as he was walking around and computers would fix themselves as he walked by. And uh, he didn't want to become the IT director. But God doesn't want to leave us where we are. He needed a greater challenge where he'd, now he had to manage other people. That's a whole new thing. And, uh, and it helped him grow and helped him depend on God. And so what I'm saying here is there may be people here that have been on a farm all their life. Young people, they know what they're doing. Maybe God is speaking to some of you here or that are watching on the internet that maybe one, you're one of the ones can go and take this challenge and bring the gospel to those that are in need and maybe even go into a place that is a desert place and turn it into the garden of God. There are whole families who might be missionaries, engaging in personal labor, toiling for the master with busy hands and active brains, devising new methods for the success of his work. Christian Service, page 183. Of course, new methods, any new methods, they need to be Christ's method. You know this text. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence then he bade them, follow me. And I think farmers are uniquely in position to follow these methods because we get to see people on a regular basis. We get to meet them. We, need to, we get to sympathize with them and hear the things. Uh, people just open up and, and share things. Methods. You know, just because you live out on the farm in a rural place or like we do up in the wilderness doesn't mean you um, can't do any missionary work. In fact, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to not live in the cities and we're supposed to reach the people in the cities but not live in them. We've held stop smoking clinics and uh, as we did that for adults, we had children's programs going at the same time. And... Uh, the children were often the ones that brought the parents back night by night, even though they may have been struggling to keep going to these meetings. My wife was a shepherdess for 20 years, and she learned that uh, she could work with a, a sheep, a ewe or a ram, and try and get them to follow them, you know, be kind to them, and all her life, or all their life, and they wouldn't follow. But if she spent just 30 minutes with a little lamb giving it warm milk, that little lamb would follow her wherever she went. And then you know what would happen? The mother, you would follow, and then the whole flock. I, she, there's so many interesting lessons. Uh, you know the milk? The milk is warm milk, warmed by the Christian experience. The milk, have you heard of the milk of the word? And it's the milk that uh, lambs get has uh, colostrum in it, special stuff that helps them do good. You know what I mean. It's not the powdered milk that somebody else gives you. You add water to it, you mix it up, stir it, and pull it cold out of the refrigerator. You have to have a Christian experience that you can share. It's got to be the milk of the Word. And it's got to be your experience, not somebody else's powdered stuff that got handed to you and you added some water to it. So many lessons from agriculture. But she told me this one time how... The sheep were trying to get in the pen and uh, her dad put up his leg like this 
to stop him. They were trying to get in the barn, and he tried to stop him. And the first sheep jumped over his leg and ran into the barn. And he just pulled his leg down and walked away. Because every last sheep came running up. And you know what they did? They jumped over his leg that wasn't there and went into the barn. People are like sheep. But the secret, you know, here's a secret I'll share with you. Child evangelism. Do you know who the number one church in the world is, population-wise? The Roman Catholic Church. How many evangelistic meetings does the Roman Catholic Church have every year? I don't know of any. How are they so big? What do they do? They target the children. Macintosh, little Macintosh computers. How did they get so powerful? How did they take on the whole Wintel? You know, Microsoft, Windows, and Intel, how did they take them on? They started out uh, a while ago putting those Macintoshes where? Schools. You see uh, the Burger Kings and the McDonald's and all that stuff with the food that doesn't just, you know, it's not the greatest tasting food. <laughs> and uh, how are they bringing people in? Happy Meals, Playgrounds. You know, when my mom and dad were, when I was little, they used to drive around different ways just so I didn't see the golden arches. You know that. The world knows this. The Catholic Church knows this. The Spirit of Prophecy talks about this. I could preach a whole sermon on it. But implementing agriculture and children together, what a powerful thing that can be. We've heard a lot about that during these, uh, this conference. It's a real blessing and exciting to hear. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. I was really excited to hear the testimonies. Other things we've done with great success at our, our church is a seed exchange. We've had a seed exchange and uh, people from the community come. What are we doing? We're mingling with them as one desiring their good. And people are worried as they see the events taking place. And they bring things up and we can talk to them and we're making friends with them. My wife, Lisa, collected seeds, loved collecting seeds even as a young girl. And uh, she still does today. <clears throat> There she's planting seeds in our garden. That's a, our first garden was 40 feet by 40 feet, and it was more than enough to feed our family. People sometimes wonder how big of a garden you need to have. We've had health expos. This is in Inchileum, down south of us. <clears throat> you know this, uh, I got one picture here. This girl here on the right, her name is Macy. I don't know her age then, but now she's 20. And uh, this expo was held many, many years ago. She's now attending a church and bringing her little brothers and sisters with her. This is Lisa teaching the hot foot baths. You know, also your farms can be used to be a, a place of rest and rejuvenation for others. God has workers, His men and women that are holding back the forces of evil. This is a... Daniel and Alessandra, he's the treasurer of the Northern New England Conference, and his wife is the children's ministry director. And they came to our house and uh, spent a week there. Actually, they've done it a couple times in the past few years. And um, just to get away and spend some time. And, you know, we live out there in the mountains and the farms, and we think everything, we kind of get used to it maybe sometimes. But a uh, simple thing is opening your home and having somebody come and visit can be bringing a real blessing, and it's missionary work. Even though, you know, these are Seventh-day Adventists, they still need to be, we still need to 
be missionary to them too, amen? People need to uh, rest and recuperate, especially office workers. We've done children's programs and uh, Christmas programs really popular at our church. We have so many people that come uh, every year to this program that are not members of the church. We've done a Gardens for Jesus Vacation Bible School. And I had some notes, Lisa was telling me it was, it's been done in a whole bunch of places. Florida, Georgia, Maine, New Hampshire, Idaho, Washington, Alberta, Canada. And we, we use the garden to teach them about Jesus. First day, we teach them about preparing the soil, removing the stones. Jesus says, I will take away the stony heart, Ezekiel 36, 26. Second day, we teach them about choosing and planting seeds. The seed is the word of God, Luke 8, 11. I'm giving you a short synopsis. The third day, night or day, we teach about growing plants. And Jesus gives us a new heart, like a, like a growing plant. And then we teach about harvesting fruit. Abiding in Jesus brings forth fruits. We teach the children how to, how to do that. It brings forth much fruit, John 15, 5. And then lastly, we do uh, pests and helpers. And we ask Jesus to be our heart gardener. And uh, remove the pests, and he's our helper. And these uh, young ladies planted flowers in their planters. If families would locate in the dark places of the earth, places where the people are enshrouded in spiritual gloom, and let the light of Christ's life shine out. Whoops, let me go back one. Out through, let the light shine out through them. A great work might be accomplished. Let them begin their work in a quiet, unobtrusive way, not drawing on the funds of the conference until the interest becomes so extensive that they cannot manage it without ministerial help. Christian Service, page 183. Maybe some of you hear God calling you to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe some of you are thinking about, should I move out of the city, where should I go? Maybe this message was for you today. You know, it was no light test that was brought upon Abraham, no small sacrifice that was required of him. There were strong ties to bind him to his country and his kindred and his home. But he did not hesitate to obey the call. He had no question to ask concerning the land of promise, whether the soil was fertile and the climate healthful, whether the country offered agreeable surroundings and would afford opportunities for amassing wealth. God had spoken and his servant must obey. The happiest place on earth for him was a place where God would have him be. Many, how many? Many, are still tested as was Abraham. They do not hear the voice of God speaking directly from the heavens, but he calls them by the teachings of his word and the events of this providence. They may be required to abandon a career that promises wealth and honor, to leave congenial and profitable associations and separate from kindred, to enter upon what appears to be only a path of self-denial, hardship, and sacrifice. God has a work for them to do, but a life of ease and the influence of friends and kindred would hinder the development of the very traits essential for its accomplishment. 
He calls them away from human influences and aid and leads them to feel the need of his help and to, and to depend upon him, depend upon him alone, that he may reveal himself to them. Who is ready at the call of providence to renounce their cherished and familiar associations? Who will accept new duties and enter untried fields, doing God's work with firm and willing hearts, for Christ's sake, counting his losses gain, count, counting his losses again, again? He who will do this has the faith of Abraham, and will share with him that far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, with which the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. Christian Service, page 181. How is it with you? Is God speaking to you? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.